Hey, FanDuel and The Ringer has teamed up for Daily Fantasy for round two of the playoffs. The contests for this weekend have gone live. You can find the leaderboard at fanduel.com slash ringer leaderboard to access each day's contest. You might even want to be in it. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car, or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm, is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We are covering basketball and football and movies and TV and music and everything else you can imagine. The Prestige TV Podcast is all over The Last of Us. Reaction pods on Sunday night, as well as a deep dive during the week. The Rewatchables, we put one up on Monday. It is still one word movie month. We have an iconic movie coming on Monday, we taped the podcast yesterday. It was me and Van Lathan and Mally Rubin, and it was loads and loads and loads of fun. So that's coming as well. Coming up on this podcast, we're going to be talking about round two of the playoffs. Peter Schrager's here. Going to go through all the gambling manifesto rules, all the reasons not to take certain teams. And then Benjamin Solak is going to figure out the best matchup, the matchup to watch for each game. And then I'm going to make some million dollar picks. And we will be good to go. Let's bring in Pearl Jam. All right, Peter Schrager is here. We're going to talk round two. We're going to talk Giants. We're going to talk 2007 Giants. We're going to talk 2022 Giants. You did it. You did. You talked about it a little bit on Good Morning Football today. I went there. I went there last week. It was like, you know, really, really well-coached team. A little frisky. They believe. Nobody believes in them. Quarterback's a little embattled, but not somebody you totally want to play in a big game. They have pass rush. They can make plays. They never seem like they're out of games. They hang around, they hang around, they hang around. They did it again against Minnesota last week. Um, are you, are you, what, what's the feeling with the Giants fans? What's the feeling in the building? What are you hearing? It's so eerie how similar this run is because I covered that team in 07 as, as a reporter being on the ground there and going on that journey with them. And it's here, it, the Jones-Eli thing is insanely similar in that Eli was the punchline of the New York Post. And after week two, when they lost to the Packers, it was like Eli's a bust and Tom must go. Like everyone was done. And that's, and Daniel Jones has had a similar ride here the first four years. Now, when Eli, Thanksgiving weekend of 07, 
They played the Vikings. The late Tavares Jackson was the quarterback, came into Giant Stadium. And, you know, Eli, I think, went like 13 of 37 with four interceptions and got sacked three times, fumbled a couple of times. They lost 41 to seven at home. And everyone was like, it's over. It's done. And then something happened and they turned it around. That's kind of been Daniel Jones's season. Like it was done. They didn't pick up his option. Everyone was ready to move on. It was a lame duck situation for him. And we we only- were joking that they were trying to kill him on the QB. We were joking they were trying to kill him on the QB uh, rollouts. Right. It was like he, he right. was trying to get like, rid of him by murdering him during a game. That's it. Decisions made. He did it himself. Um, and then he has on this season that like slowly but surely has made every Giant fan fall in love with Daniel Jones. Last week, Daniel Jones was as good as Purdy. He was as good as Dak. He ran the ball 17 times, which is the second most ever in an NFL playoff game for a quarterback. He made every big conversion. And then you go to the the, the personality type. It's so crazy. You know, Daniel Jones with his Jansport backpack and Eli with his, you know, Eli face. But then you go on this specific journey. It is so eerie, Bill. Like, that team went to Tampa in the wild card round and played a Tampa team that won the division, but at Jeff Garcia at quarterback, no one really thought they were good, but they were home in the playoffs and the Giants came in there and they, they, they won. Next week, they go to Dallas. It was the Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo Cabo trip. It was the Romo T.O. That's my quarterback game. And Eli, who had never had any success in Dallas, goes into that building, beats them, and after being swept in the regular season, like beats the number one seed. Here are the Eagles. The Giants have not won, uh, you know, in Philadelphia in forever. And they're going in there. I think it's nine, the last nine times in Philadelphia, the Giants have not won. Um, they're the one seed. They're pretty heavily favored. And if the Giants go in there, like you better believe this is going to be the storyline. And you add in the Dexter Lawrence and you add in the Thibodeau. And it's like, I know they're not Strahan and OC and Tuck and the boys, but Gosh, the defensive line absolutely manhandled the Vikings last week. It feels very similar and very weird. And I don't know, New York City is really leaning into that narrative. And the Giants locker room and building right now is like electric. Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay, who is a $72 million bus and a joke. Kenny Galladay threw that block on Duke Shelley last week. Like Giants fans love freaking Kenny Galladay this week. Like there's a lot of love for, gosh, everyone's all in. And Sterling Shepard is an injured guy. He can't play, but he's been the leader. And he's the guy in the locker room who puts the music on after the game. And he's the guy. And it's like all these players that the Giants fans have resented for years for not fulfilling expectations are all suddenly coming together and they're gelling at the same time. And it's a really fun team to watch. Couple gambling manifesto rules for this Eagles game. Give it to me. Eagles favored by seven and a half. Well, there's three possible new manifesto rules that we'll see how this this whole playoffs go but you know every year i like to maybe oh should we add do we take stuff out the first one is beware of the hot new coach like dayball just might be the best coach in the league i have no idea i was so impressed with them last week now minnesota you know whatever they were fraudulent we said it all year we were waiting we were waiting we're waiting their defense isn't very good um this will be a much bigger stage but every time I watch the Giants, I always feel like they maximized whatever their potential was for that game. And if they have a turnover, it's usually, you know, the guy gets stripped from behind. It's like one of those. Or if they have a big drop, it's usually because their receiver isn't that good. Like uh, like last week on that Slayton. third and 15. Yeah, yeah Slayton. Slayton's going to have the way, game. He just is. Do you see the mic'd up? Dayball comes running over to him. I'm going to need you, big guy. I'm going to need you in the future. That, don't worry, shake it off like Dayball. You just want to hug him and kiss him. Right. It was like the, the ultimate thing, the opposite of what has been the standard in New York the last few years. Yeah. 
Well, and this Eagles team, which I get it, that, you know, they were first in DVOA for the year. They have a really good pass rush. They have a lot of sacks, the whole thing. I still feel like you can throw on them. I think if you can, if you can block them and just kind of not have Jones just scrambling for his life within two seconds, I do think guys can get open on the Eagles secondary. I've, I've watched teams throw on them. Um, and defensively, they have the pass rush, right? Goddard's probably going to kill him. We saw Hawkinson seemed open most of the game, but it was really impressive last week. Jefferson didn't really do anything. Cook didn't really do anything. No. They, t- they took away all the big plays from the two guys that over and over again, the Vikings were able to get a big play from one of those two guys. They didn't. So in this game, can they take away Sanders the same way? Can they take away A.J. Brown in the same way? Um, and can they just kind of hang around until it gets to the fourth quarter? Also, you figure... Dayball will be good for one sneaky something play, during something, the game. Yeah. Something, you know, something where you're like, oh, fucking Dayball, he did it again. Um, and I, I just, so I have that. So that's one manifesto rule. The other one is, I was going to add, be afraid of anyone who can reasonably be compared to the 2007 Giants. So just writing <laughs> that one down. And then the third one, I think this is really important. Don't assume injured stars aren't injured just because they're playing. Hmm. So like the Lane Johnson thing, it's like, well, we got Lane Johnson back. It's like, do you? The guy's got a torn groin and you read everything. It's like Lane Johnson's going to fight through it. Lane Johnson's going to try to play. It's like, this is their best offensive lineman. He's going to try to play. That doesn't sound great. And then hurts. Oh, his shoulder, ah, his shoulder is better. You mean his throwing shoulder? It's better. Is it, is it a hundred percent or is it better? What does better mean? Does better mean he's going to try to play it? Better means he's going to make. So I don't know. Those are red flags to me. I don't like that two of their best players are hurt. Let me add some things. It's been 39 days now. We're recording this on Thursday. You're probably listening to this on Friday or Saturday. It's been 39 days since the Eagles have played a good game. And that was against the Giants in MetLife. I was there. I was on the sidelines. And they blew him out. Daniel Jones was sacked two of the first three plays. Uh, A.J. Brown goes nuts. Devontae Smith goes nuts. Miles Sanders had about 130 yards. You're talking 40 days since the Eagles have put a complete game on there. And now I know Minshew was in and Johnson was out and they had all these things. They didn't have to play in week 18 against the Giants. Even then they were up 19 nothing on Davis Webb. And you could say, no, no, no. I think there's something to that. You're telling me it's been more than a month since this Eagles team that has earned the number one seed played like a number one seed. Secondly, no, you're talking six, you're talking six weeks, six weeks. That's like but, a lifetime in football. We always talk about who, what team is peaking at the right time. And I, I don't like the fact that they haven't played a good all around game in that long. Second part, the Giants last week, guys who were outstanding for them. Xavier McKinney. He'd been hurt all year. Adoree Jackson had been yeah. hurt all year. Leonard Williams didn't play that last game. Was amazing on Sunday against the Vikings. They're actually getting guys back. In November, they pick up Hodgins. He's coming along. He was a, a curiosity. Hodgins is a legit receiver in the playoffs right now, and he is now finding a, a, a chemistry with Daniel Jones. You can go right down the list to even Mike Kafka. Wait, hold on. With that, Barkley is the other one who looks right? like the Barkley from the first right? part of the season again. He had that stretch where it was like, oh, man, he took too many hits. But now he looks like Barkley again. He looks good. Um, Kafka, I mean... I thought Burkhart and Olsen, and I think you and Sal hit it. They were really good on Sunday. And on fourth and one, Minnesota goes and has a false start, and that kills them. They kick a field goal, and that's that. When the Giants have fourth and one, I love that Burkhart and Olsen called it out. Hey, week one against the Titans, 
Dayball went for it. Dayball went for two. This is who they are, and they are that that team. They have that personality. So fourth and one, Daniel Jones, quarterback sneak. They get it. They keep on moving. They score. Um, they're believing right now. Now, are the Eagles too much? Are they too big? Are they too powerful? Remember, Eagles kicked the shit out of them 40 days ago. Kicked the shit out of them. It was, it was maybe the most lopsided game we've seen uh, in the NFL between two playoff teams this season. And that that's the only thing that haunts me here. It's like, wait a second. If the Eagles do get back and do turn it on, will this at home with that crowd all day partying starting at 9 a.m. through 8.30 p.m., ruckus scene, that's a tough place to play if you're the Giants squad. I like getting the extra half point. Rule number six, which has been always a playoff manifesto role, was never pick an underdog unless you genuinely believe they have a chance to win. Okay. I think the Eagles have a chance to win and I honestly think this line's too high. I think it's a line that you would admit you would have made in like late November, or early December that doesn't factor in a bunch of the stuff we saw, like all the guys the Giants got back. The fact that Hodgins is actually like mm-hmm. a legitimate guy who gets open. They had guys open that whole Vikings game. And you could say it's the Vikings, but I just don't, I think you can get guys open on that Eagles secondary. The key to me the more I look at this and think about it, I think about like, if I took the Giants, how would I know this was going wrong? Is that they just can't block. Also, they just first can't quarter, block you'll know. That front you'll know. Yeah. yeah you'll know. Like, you'll know come. within yeah. a quarter. Yep. Um, here comes Hassan think, Reddick. You know, it, it, we'll know. I do think their defense can hold up better than it did the last time because they got all the guys back. The other thing is, Dayball's going to know if they can't block. Like, the, he's going to be the guy that knows more than anything. So mm-hmm. if he knows that, He's going to design a whole offense to either have Jones get rid of the ball fast, design rollouts, like all these different things. That's not, he's not going to go into this going, man, I really hope we can block. And if we don't, if we don't block, I'll, I'll have no plan B. He's, he already knows whether they're going to be blocked them or not. And he's going to have little tricks to try to, you know, take some heat off Jones, give Jones some time, move him around. I think Jones is good. Been saying it for a while. Sal and I Sm- raved about him on Sunday. Smart. I, I, I know. I know. He's really good. Um, so Sean Payton's Saints team a few years ago started off 13-0, and 0, lost the last three games, and were at home as the one seed. I remember I talked to him last week about it, and I'm like, that's the Eagles to me. Like, this hot team earned the one seed, and he's like, in that bye week, we got right, we got healthy, we handled it perfectly, we came out, we blow out the Cardinals, we then go on and beat Minnesota, and then we go out and beat the beat the Colts in the Super Bowl. He's like, but it's gotta be a health, like you have, like we got, we use that week to get healthy and to get right and all that stuff. Like, the, to your point, we're just taking everyone's word that Lane Johnson and Jalen Hurts are all perfectly fine and all the other guys in the defensive backfield who've been knocked around a little bit, like, I don't know. I think the Giants come in as a healthier team right now, and they're obviously playing better ball over the last few weeks, not necessarily the, the last you know two months. Giants weren't exactly lighting the house on fire in early December either. So you mentioned that Week 14 game, Philly 48-22, to 22, they win. Oof. 27 first downs, 253 rushing yards. And that was really why they won. They were just dicing and slicing. Um, different, different Giants defense in Week 20. And I just don't think they're going to run the ball the same way. And I think the Giants are going to make Hurts try to beat him. Hurts, we've seen him do it. If he's healthy, he's great. He has the rece- He has two awesome receivers. He's got Goddard back, and there's a chance he just throws them, them all day. So I almost feel like if you like Philly, you probably like the over, and if you like the Giants, maybe you like the under. And maybe it's one of those games where they're just ripping off long drives. 
trying to keep the Eagles off the field. Eagles fans get a little frustrated. Yeah. You know, and it, and it has that kind of vibe. And it's like 10 to 7 at halftime, Giants winning. Eagles fans are like, ah, what's going on? I thought we were going to roll over these guys. Um, the Eagles fans that I know are very confident. Very. Throw that and, out and, there too. Uh, very uh, confident. There's a dude at my son's school who, who like listens to our podcast and his name's Colin. And he's like, all right, I know how you guys are going to do this. Like, you're going to go all in on the Giants. Just know that uh, we're, we're good. I'm like, okay. And I think that's Eagles fans across the board. Like, of all the teams, the Giants we've owned over the last few years, they're not suddenly going to pull some miracle here. We're ready for them and we'll take care of business. We're like a stronger, tougher team. Eagles fans, and they also love the fact it's in Philly and they have all day to drink and like get that yeah. place rocking on Saturday night. But to me, yeah. like Minnesota in a dome where their fans are, like to me, that's almost a more hostile environment. I don't care if the fans are drunk and fighting Giants fans in the parking lot. On the field, outdoors at night, the Giants, th that's no different than when they play at MetLife. Well, and that's the thing with Jones last week that I thought was so impressive because I know Minnesota's defense isn't that good. I get it. It's really hard to play in that place when it's super loud, when you can barely hear. Like, think about Skylar Thompson in Buffalo last week. Yeah. All the times he screwed up or they, they snapped the ball late or whatever and they were just panicking and trying to get plays off. The Giants looked like they were playing like in control you know, in a, in, during the COVID season with no crowd at all. And it was over and over again, these like quick twitch, like third and ones with the crowd going nuts. And they just executed everything. I don't think they're going to be scared in this game. And no. if you're taking, you know, you got to think when you're taking a team on the road, especially it's a pretty big favorite. Are they going to be scared? Is the quarterback going to be scared? Um, could this be a buzzsaw? I think the Giants have a little rational confidence. They got a lot of good dudes on this team. Anyway, let's take a break and then we'll talk about the other three. Well, it's NFL playoff time. With FanDuel, every play is a rush. New customers join today. You can bet on the divisional round with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up with promo code BS. We are going to be hammering million-dollar picks at the tail end of this pod. You could also look out for Benjamin Solak and John Jastrzemski. They're going to do a combined same-game parlay on FanDuel for the Giants-Eagles game. Huge Giants fan, huge Eagles fan. I'm interested to see what they come up with. America's number one sports book, that's FanDuel. They have all your favorite bets from Moneyline, Point Spread, Player Props, whatever you want. You can do the same-game parlays. We might even do one later today. You can do it all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. It is also now live in Ohio. Make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you in Ohio now and throughout January. Football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code BS. You can just do, do for Jacksonville, Kansas City. Put $5 down on Kansas City to win the first half of Jacksonville to win the game. We're going to talk about that bet later. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day of work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all-new Cantina Chicken Menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high-quality ingredients like seasoned slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos Burrito and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. All right, we'll stay in the uh, in the NFC, Niners-Cowboys. This line has dropped to three and a half. I think we like different sides of this game. Let's go. Because you like Dallas, I like San Francisco. Um, there's a there, Rule number one, 
of the playoff manifesto, which really has not let me down. Beware of the looked a little too good the previous playoff <laughs> round team. I can't think of a team that fits this better than Dallas. They played that shit Tampa team that ever, finished eight and ten for the season yep. and really could have finished four and fourteen. Um, the game was over in five minutes. Dallas's kicker somehow gave oh Tampa God. life. All of a sudden, Tampa, if Evans catches that ball, they're down 10 with like however many minutes left. Um, and Dallas just looked awesome and Dak looked great. And he looked great against a team that had been washed up the entire year. And now everybody thinks they can beat the Niners. That's like, well, Dak versus Purdy. And, oh my. and this line, which I think should be Niners by six, is Niners by three and a half. And you might even be able to get it at Niners by three at game time. Better coach. They have weapons all over the place on both sides of the ball. And it is going to be like night and day going against it from that crap Tampa team. Like that <laughs> crap Tampa team that literally can't do anything. They can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. They can't stop at, they, they have no above average skills. To, and now you're playing San Francisco, who I think is the best NFC team. And I, I just, I like it. And that's before we get into the other piece. I really like it. This Brett, Brett Mahar thing is like, it's, this it's should be a way bigger deal. The it's guy real. had nervous breakdown on Monday night. He missed four extra points. I've never seen him miss four extra points ever. Guy had and you're two, gonna he had two sixty yarders in Minnesota this year. Right. It's crazy. He's gonna be fine. Six I, days later, he's good. I can't tell you that. Never yeah. happened. Yeah. I'm not taking, there is no way I'm taking Dallas with the shaky kicker on the road when the line should be higher than it is. I'm just not. I'm taking the Niners. You may have convinced me to not even go near this one. The reason I would say the cap, okay, one more thing, and it's bubbling up a little bit and it's coming from some Niners folks um, that would be denying this and saying, oh, don't even hold that against us. Uh, we earned it. Dallas played on Monday. Niners played on Saturday. Niners, two extra days to prepare, sleeping in their own beds. That stuff matters. That said, the case for Dallas is that when they have played like they played on Sunday or Monday, that was the Minnesota game where they, they blew out the Vikings 40-3 to and it happened another time this season where they just absolutely trounced a team. There may be no better offense in football. Dak Prescott. Settle down. Dak Prescott Stop it. looked freaking awesome on Monday night. It's a quarterback league. Dak comes in. If we're talking back and forth, Dak and Purdy, Dak and Purdy. I know Purdy has been great and he's, he's been awesome. It's Parsons is going to do some things on defense. Dak's got that offense dialed in. And gosh, what a story if Mike McCarthy comes and fucking lights this candle and goes all the way and does this thing. I, I, to me... There is a piece of me that says that team I saw Monday night is the version of the Cowboys that we're going to see on Sunday. And I don't know if the, the 49ers can beat that team. Cowboys, three decades of heartache. I know. Three decades of people overrating them. Um, coming off an awesome win. Now that now that all the confidence, this has all the makings of just a massive kick in the balls. And the only thing that worries me with the Niners is Purdy, who I've really liked. Who He's been we, great. We bought season tickets for after his first game. Sound all, that night. We're like, this guy's, guy's good. Guys He's 7-0. and And yet, I'm just, I'm going into it eyes wide open. I'm fully aware. He just might suck. And that's how Dallas will win because he sucks. But to me, I'd rather bet on the 7-0 and quarterback who is loaded with more weapons than anyone else has in the league over the team with the kicker who missed four extra <laughs> points in a game 
three days ago. Let me and ask you. I'm getting, I'm laying the three and a half, but I oh. guess what? I'm also getting the extra point from the extra point he misses <laughs> or the or the three extra points from the field goal he's going to miss. This guy's going to be good. I can't believe people are glossing over this. You know, and it's like, I couldn't believe it wasn't a bigger story during the game. Like they, they went through their whole halftime show and I'm thinking like, Oh, they got to show the kicker, right? He's got to be out there. This is, they didn't care. He's been just, oh, whatever. He'll be fine. <laughs> he just said, made history. And he missed his last one in the game earlier. So it was five straight at one point. Um, they they signed a guy named uh, Vizcaino today. And I wonder, you know, psychologically, even if Mars the guy, you bring in this kid Vizcaino kicking and who knows, maybe he's making him a little bit. Is that good for Mar that you brought in this other guy to practice with you just in case? Like, I... You know, Jerry says he's their guy. He's just got there. It's not like he's Mason Crosby, who's been with them for 10 years, and you stick him out, you stick it in, or Vinatieri with the Colts at the end where you couldn't make anything, but it was like, this is our guy. We, we can't Also, get it's the him. Cowboys. The, who has a more tortured field goal kicker history? So many. Maybe two other teams. I know. Uh, this is what they do. I know. I'm with you. I'm okay with the Niners. I'm just... To me, this is stay away all all day, all night. Like the if this is the Cowboys get hot right now, and that offense finally does what we thought they would do this season, and Kellen Moore's dialing it up, and you know even McCarthy, third and goal, they get stuffed on the goal line. Everyone and their mother is like, take the points, go up nine nothing, go up nine nothing. Troy Aikman on the call is like, hey, I would have taken the points here. They do the rollout, Dak scores, touchdown, they miss the extra point, but like McCarthy was in his bag on Monday night, and it's there's oh, this congrats, there's this playing feeling, an awful team. There's this feeling about everyone says, hey, you know, Kyle Shanahan, what this would do for his legacy, winning a Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan this, Kyle Shanahan that. Like, could you imagine Mike McCarthy goes on a run right now and what that does for his, you know, spot in history and spot in Cowboys lore and all that stuff? Uh, I know it, I sound crazy and, you know, Cowboys fans might even want me to shut up because I'm, I'm sounding too optimistic here, but I think they give him a game and I think they score points. They did it, they did it last week against a bad Buccaneers team, but I think that might have been just the confidence builder they needed. Rule number 16 of the manifesto is take one last look at the quarterbacks and remember there's plenty of time to bet against any QB or coach. Hmm. So the McCarthy piece is scary with Dallas. And I know Dak was awesome in that Tampa game, but I still don't 100% trust him. I always felt like he got like pretty much a free pass for the clock running out in the playoff game last year. Yeah, it was all which on McCarthy. one of the dumber things he I've seen. He wasn't blamed at all. Yeah. From a quarterback. And it was like, ah, oh, well, yeah, the coaches should have known. It's like, really? Maybe maybe Dak should have known. Um, compared to the heat like Cousins took, including on this podcast, for the check down on fourth Short and eight. Sticks, yeah. But I thought the Dak thing was just as dumb. Um, I want to figure out a way when I do million dollar picks to get this line to three even if I have to parlay it with like some crazy over or something where it's like a minus 850 over just so I can bring it down. I want Niners at three. The half point hook worries me. I think the Niners are the best team in either conference. And um, if Purdy is the only reason not to take them. It's worked so far. I hear it's, you. They've figured out a way to just leverage all the weapons they have and not put him in positions where he's got to, make plays, do shit, like what Daniel Jones is doing for the yeah. Giants. If they were using Purdy like that, I'd be like, man, that makes me nervous. Um, I also think, you know, like like guys like T.Y. Hilton, guys that were basically on the waiver wire. T.Y. Hilton, I, I forgot he was still in the league, is like now super important for Dallas on third downs and stuff. Zav Xavier Rhodes at corner. Yeah. yeah, there's people, there's some characters in this Dallas Cowboys play I don't totally trust. I really believe in this Niners team. 
and I'm trying not to waver from it. I, I didn't think Purdy looked awesome in the first half. I thought there was some playoff nerves, but on the other hand, like, totally understandable. The it's guy's okay. a fucking rookie. Yeah, and he, he played was, outstanding last pick of the, in the seventh round. Yeah, and then he was really good after that. His best play was the one that was incomplete to Ayuk on the sideline. He looked like Mahomes where he's rolling around and he throws it and Ayuk dropped it, but it was like the perfect play. Yeah, Purdy's, Purdy's really good. Really good. And if Jimmy G, come, Jimmy G comes back in the playoffs, also like, it's still Purdy's job. It's it's his his the rest of the way. This is an awesome game. I'm so glad that's the last game too. Isn't I don't it? know. I might have to have a backup for Sal. Can we go down memory lane a little bit? Because I was I was you know that age of like forget the the catch. The catch gets all the all the love and you know, rest in peace, Dwight Clark and what that was. Yeah. But for you and me, like. 92 NFC championship oh, yeah. game, 93, you know, 94 NFC championship game, 95 NFC championship game. They played in a week 11 one year, week seven of the year. Like that 94 season when they were in the throwbacks and the 75 year anniversary and it's yeah. Dion versus Irvin. Like, I don't know. I, I looked at the slate this week and I'm like, you got Giants Eagles in the NFC and then you got these two logos for the second straight year going after it. Like it's pretty beautiful. And I'm just, I don't even want to bet on it. I just want to sit back or even give you advice. I just want to sit back and watch. And what's great is basically every scenario for the next round is also really fun. Awesome. But like, you know, like a sneaky stealth one would be Giants at San Francisco, which brings which back all so kinds much of memories all over the place. You know, I'm picturing which, Roger Craig getting stripped by Lawrence Taylor. Or, maybe or Joe Montana getting his ass Leonard kicked by Marshall. Jim Burt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to s- skip through this next game. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Bengals plus five and a half at Buffalo. Really? Um, uh, I'm interested. Why, why. Let me hear Because I have thoughts on this one. Go on. I have thoughts too. I'm just saying like, this is the one I feel the least confident about. I okay. think if the Bengals hadn't had all the offensive line injuries, I think they were going to the Super Bowl. I think they had the best team. And in the Hamlin game, they were moving the ball. They, they moved the ball yeah. for a touchdown. They were moving the ball when that play happened and the game stopped. But I... Just, I thought they looked really comfortable against Buffalo. In a game that was important to both teams, I think they're going to be able to move the ball against them again. I was amazed by how Skylar Thompson was moving the way. He had some drops, but they had receivers open all over the place. I don't love the way Josh Allen's playing. And I think this line's too high. And yet, and yet, it's the right line because they're missing their left tackle, their right tackle, their right guard. I know. And but, that makes me fucking nervous on the road. I don't want to play with a bad offensive line in a playoff game on the road. Baltimore's defense is far better than Buffalo's, and right. Baltimore and they, and they held the up house, against Baltimore's and defense. And they You're held right. up, like yeah, their their left tackle who's in now is not that big a drop off from the starter. I really don't think so. The other guys, sure, those are painful. And then you see Carmen come in during the game. Yeah, um, Jonah. People seem pretty split on Jonah Williams. That, like definitely a good, like a below average left tackle. Yeah, but a, a but a player, you know. Like, yeah, he, he can go. Um, Buffalo is going to be a ball of emotions. Could go either way now. I have a feel. I mean, I don't know if I'm breaking news. I have a feeling Hamlin's going to play some sort of role in the pregame. Like I, I, yeah. I would imagine he can. He's he's been talking to the team every day. Like I, that. So let's put that out there to start this thing at three o'clock. You know, on a Sunday, and then you get going in this game, and the nerves are either going to be good, bad, whatever. Like Cincinnati is. I, you talk about Daniel Jones not being scared. Those guys, like Burrow, like those guys are coming in there like, we should be in a lot better situation than we are. We got screwed by the league. We got screwed by everything. We've done nothing wrong. And we're the ones who have to now play in this situation. And if we win, we're going to Kansas City. Like, 
I, I don't know. I think that Buffalo did not look good last week. I thought their offense, you know, was was head scratching at times. Their defense problematic uh, for the most part against Skylar Thompson. Like, I I think Cincinnati can hang in this game, and I think everyone in America outside of Bengals fans are rooting for the Bills. It's a great story. You want to see it for Josh Allen. You want to see it for that city. You want to see it for everything. But like, if we've learned anything, like the Bengals, they don't care. They're coming in and they're going to play their best football. They beat the Chiefs in a similar situation last year and they were down 21 to three in that game. We saw it. We lost on it. It killed us. Um, To your point, I'm not betting against Joe Burrow if I don't have to. There's There's a weird history with the NFL of emotional team runs where like the 2001 Pats um, right after 9-11, we had that one. We had the Saints and Katrina when they had that run. And um, just in general, like I, I always worry about emotion, which seems like it really works in football. But there's way more stories of like, man, they rode that. And then, and then there was this thing to point to that whether it was a tragedy or an injured teammate or some sort of rallying cry around the city. And it just, and then you point back and be like, oh, that was the season when dot, dot, dot. So I am thinking about that, but I also am thinking Cincinnati is a better team. And they've, they've been the better and team. I think the Joe Burrow is the best player in the game. Joe Burrow is the best player in the game. Allen hasn't played well. When was the last time Allen looked awesome from start to finish and didn't make any mistakes? So like, I can't, I can't even remember. Now, look, he pulled some crazy shit out in the Saturday night against the Dolphins. He was awesome yep. in moments, but he also, you know, missed guys, made mistakes, and Tua went head-to-head with him in that game. It's been a while. Look, Burrow and Chase are, they're dialed in. The, the Ravens team, and I, I wasn't on Million Dollar Picks with you last week, but, like, I, that really scared me, that game going in, because the whole Lamar story, I know that Ravens locker room, like, they love Lamar and all that, but they also... They thought, yeah, okay, there was a like, little, hey, we wouldn't mind winning without us. Lamar. Yeah. Not even we don't mind, but like, we're going to play. Like, we're the, I'm Rokon Smith. You're Justin Houston. Like, you're J.K. Dobbins. Like, we're really good players. We can hang here. Um, and that, of course, was a 14 point swing on that play, which, by the way, question for you. I have heard fumble in the jungle. And I had heard another one about something with like Hubbard. What are you calling that play? The Hubbard uh, play with Dobbins. Do you have one? To me, it's just the the Huntley okay. Huntley okay. fumble. The Huntley fumble. Okay. Because okay. fundamentally, I'm always going to remember that play as fourteen he was point too swing. far away to reach over. It's crazy. And we watch football all the time. We've never seen somebody try to reach away from that far. There's a reason because you're too far away. I know. And they're going to hit the ball. I know. Um, yeah. The other thing with this game. So I'm I'm looking for cases for the Bills. I think this line should be three. Okay. McPherson has worried me a little over the course of this season. He was so lights out last year. We were talking like new age Tucker, all that stuff. Even that he missed that first PAT last week. And um, I just, that's where I start thinking like the plus five and a half. I think this is a one score game. I feel very similar to the Ravens Bengals last week where I was like, this is a one score game. The line's too high. This to me feels like a field goal game. And I'm going to take the Bengals. I don't think that it's like a huge pick. Yeah. But I think they can win. And I would be surprised if the Bills beat them by six or more. Like that would be like, whoa, the Bengals got their ass kicked. Um, You're right. The big thing with the offensive line that makes me feel better about it is Baltimore is a better defense than Buffalo and came at their ass the entire game. And they held on tight. He hung tight. 
And Burrow's been locked in for what, three and a half months now, four months? Yeah, I mean, he had a quick little bout with appendicitis, but you could say the last, you know, 16 months, Burrow has been locked in. Yeah, like, he, the first month of the season, I didn't think he was awesome. You know, the other thing with Buffalo, and I don't know, they're saying Isaiah McKenzie might come back this week. Mm-hmm. I Signing Beasley was weird. He played well last week, though. I know, but Beasley, it was just, it was weird. And then, like, John Brown John was, Brown I forgot he was still on the team. He was involved. They got the kid, uh, Shakir, the, the other one. Yeah, 10. Shakir, who I actually like Shakir, but yeah, Boise it State, seems like they're too. still trying to figure out who the third receiver is, whereas, like, I felt like a year ago, they knew they had their team all mapped out. It was like, this is, these are our guys. So we have McKenzie, we have Davis, we have Diggs. So, like, we have everything. We know who we are. And they really should have probably won the Super Bowl last year. They could have, they could have. They were in it. Um, this year, I, I just feel like they're still kind of figuring out who they are. And you hear the announcer be like, they can run the ball now and cook and sing with her. It's like, can they? But they're not committed I don't know. to it. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't think it matters. I reported it yesterday. Um, Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, is interviewing Saturday, the day before the game with the Carolina Panthers, where he used to be the quarterback coach for Cam Newton. Mm. And uh, Last year, Dayball interviewed the day before the Chiefs game and had an outstanding game. I don't know if it matters. It's just when it when it works. Like, that's what it is. Kafka and Martindale are interviewing the day after the game. They're interviewing for a bunch of jobs on Sunday. But putting it out there, the offensive coordinator the day before the game has an interview for the job of a lifetime yeah, not... going to Carolina. I don't know if that matters or not, but if I you're Buffalo. Lo- I, I, I don't love it. You know, I remember Kyle Shanahan, um, when they were in the Super Bowl that year, he just basically told every team, like, I, I'm not... I'm not interviewing. Like, I won't do it. And uh, Atlanta still gave him the job. I, I, or no, I'm sorry. San Francisco still gave him the job. But he was like, or maybe it was the year before. I'm not sure what it was. Kyle Shanahan, one year, whether he was with Atlanta or he, somebody. He eschewed the interviews. Yeah. And McDaniels used to do it all the time, too. And just be like, no, I'm good. You know, you could do it. You could say no. Um, and a lot of guys do. But uh, that's that. I really like this Bengals team. So do I. If they cannot block this Bills team. Like, if Von Miller was playing. Like, man. They're missing both tackles. Von Miller. Oh my God. That makes me nervous. But you know, Whitworth, um, Whitworth is retired and I've become really close with Whitworth. And uh I asked him straight up, I was like, would you come back? And he like was like, Well, the door's open. Other and Bengals sources were like, We're good. We're rolling with the guys we got. So that would have been the Eric Weddle story of, you know, this guy's coming on just for the playoffs, the whole thing, and he's in shape to play. And they didn't show much interest in signing him. Um, so there's I think a, they're there's confident. There's maybe a game down the road where missing all these offensive linemen. Remember the Chiefs Super Bowl that year? Yeah, um, that was. The two that was, we talked about that. And yep. I remember I, I read all we the went. credentials of the left guard. I'm like, Absolutely. Who, who's this guy? That was amazing. Um, all right, last game. This is the most fun one. Just from a, I don't know what the hell's going to happen standpoint. Chiefs, Jaguars. Chiefs are favored by eight and a half. On paper, you'd be like, ah, oh, Chiefs, throw them in a tease. Done. Fourth in DVOA, Jags are 13th. There's a lot of playoff rules in play, including a possible new one. What do you got? Be afraid of playoff Doug Peterson. He is freaking good. <laughs> he won his first four playoff games, all as underdogs. <laughs> he... He lost to New Orleans in round two, 2018, but they covered. So he Dude, won his first four. Hey, I he, did the sidelines for that game. They threw a pass to Alshon Jeffrey that went right through Alshon's hands. That yeah, they, they came all the way back. Right. They, I was on the field for that one. That was a win if they could just you know, finish that. Everything was going their way, and then Jeffrey was the incomplete. So I would say that one even there, that one's a close win. His record as a playoff underdog, 6-0. and oh. He beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with Nick Foles. 
He brought Philadelphia a title. Guess who didn't? Andy Reid. Truth. He came back last week from 27 to nothing. His team <laughs> should have been dead. They came that, back. Down four. Let's go for two. <laughs> Amazing That's, call. So, this is why I like it. This is, uh, hey, guys. Nothing to lose. Here's the kitchen sink. I took all the stuff out of it. Let's just fucking throw it around. Let's go. Let's go. These, so you have that. You also have um, rule number 15, which is make sure the team with the home field advantage actually has a home field advantage. Tied in with rule number 13. Before you wager on a team, make sure, and it's all these different coaches, and two of them are Andy Reid and anyone described as Andy Reid's pupil. Um, cancellation. Andy Reid, 19 and 16 in the playoffs. Nine and seven in KC. He's lost at home as a home favorite. How many times do you think? Uh, as KC or total with the Eagles? Both, too? total. I'd say at least three times. Higher. Really? Five? How about eight? Get out of here. How about eight? <laughs> oh, two, Tampa. Oh, three, Carolina. Oh, nine, Green Bay. Then going to KC. 13, Indy. 16, Pittsburgh. 17, Tennessee, eight and a half point favorites against Marcus Mariota. Oh, I remember. 2018, New England. 2021, Cincinnati murdered us, favored by seven. They lost him. eight times. So the whole thing about Arrowhead, don't want to go in there. It's like, well, in 2013, 16, 17, 18, and 21, you kind of <laughs> wanted to go in there because all five of those teams won. No, look, um, I think the Indy game was in Indy. Uh, that was the big Andrew Luck comeback. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. There's a couple there that are like, all right. Um, Mahomes oh, did never... I have that wrong? That so no, Indy no, they was... were the big, they were the they were favored, but it was in Indy because Andrew. Locke oh, so I screwed up. So they so seven home playoff losses. I thought that was in Indy. I mean, not KC. Was that was in Indy. Indy. Yeah. Okay, I screwed up. All right, so seven home playoff losses. Damn, I screwed up our TikTok video, Kyle. That's all right. Don't edit this. I want people <laughs> to know I'm a moron. Um, anyway, seven. So in 16, 17, 18, and twenty one, they all lost at home, and the eight and a half is high. It's really it just is. It jumps out. It feels like this should be six. I just feel like I'm getting two and a half points. Let me let me counter with a couple of things. Mahomes, yeah, please do. Mahomes never lost in a divisional round. All those years, he always comes out. He's ready. They usually have the buy. That's a good out, one. Don't bet against Mahomes in round two. He's he's ready to go. Like that guy's dialed in. Uh, Jaguars this year, awesome story. We love it. Huge comeback against the Ravens to save their season. Home game. Huge comeback against the Cowboys to keep their season alive. Home game. Week 18 against the Titans. They pull out this amazing victory and they clinch the playoff berth. Home game. Last week, 27-0. Home game. They haven't done crap on the road this season. So yep. I, they're a young team. And the stat that everyone's throwing around is that Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost on a Saturday. The game's on Saturday. This goes back to high school, college. That's all good and well. I don't know well. what that means. I don't either. I don't either. I think it, I mean, it's like, okay, that's great. Um Kansas City, I, this is getting like deeply philosophical here. Kansas City, like we go back through the the, gen, the generations here, Bill. It's like 60s was Packers, 70s I'd say was Steelers, 80s, 80s was you know Niners, 90s was Cowboys. Then you had the Patriots for the last 20 years, and it's like the Chiefs. What are you? What are you as? An, are you the team of like this generation? Because one Super Bowl is not it. Yeah. If you can win this one, you've been now, you know, home field through the AFC four years in a row. And Mahomes is just like this guy that just doesn't lose in these games. And then has to, I don't know. To me, it's like, look in the mirror. What are we? Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, like two rings. 
All right, now we're talking, this is the team of the generation. Now we're talking, all of us go to the Hall of Fame, all that stuff. One Super Bowl ring and a loss to Jacksonville after losing at home to the to the Bengals last year. That's amateur hour. We're I, not talking I, about losing to Jacksonville. Just we're not talking winning by about more them than eight. covering eight and a half points because I think they're going to beat Jacksonville. And if they don't beat Jacksonville, that's a disaster. But I also think rule number six, never pick an underdog unless you genuinely believe they have a chance to win. <laughs> the Jacksonville team kind of, it, it slightly just a whiff won me over the last couple of weeks because I think they have a lot of good players. They're really I good. I thought Kirk the last couple of games was excellent. I thought Zay Jones, who I've noticed the last couple of months, but it seems like He's turned into a pretty yep. valuable third guy. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, who I think submerged into like kind of the guy the Giants fans got. Always like, really, thought dude? he could be. Always yeah, really, dude? Be. You're yeah. going to do this now. Totally. Um, but ETN, a lot of speed on the outside, which I think they've tapped into. I like Agnew. And I, I think special teams, I think they That's can good. make a special teams play. No McCole Hartman in this game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on defense, their defense was pretty good in the second half of that Chargers game. I went back and I looked at... Um, all right, man, the Chargers, they were 27 nothing. Well, look at the drives. 2 for 18, 12 for 57, 3 for 5, 3 for 16, 11 for 62, 3 for 8, 4 for 1, 3 for minus 1, 7 for 37, 7 for 45, 14 for 58, 3 for 5. Jacksonville's defense was good in that game. They gave up five turnovers and still won. Yeah. And then Lawrence, his last five drives, they get four touchdowns in the game-winning field goal. He's 23 of 29 for 253 and four TDs. They had long drives each time unless they scored fast. I worst case scenario, I think they could get a backdoor cover. You know, it's a lot. See- it's a lot. Any playoff game, it's a lot, and it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it'd be like the case if it was a wild card game and it was a two seven to seven. But they won last week. They they yeah, and they, and they like- have some confidence now. The other thing, the Chiefs are seven and ten against the spread. Mm. They're four and five this year when they're favored by seven or more, and. Um, in the week 10 game, KC wins 27-17. Chiefs were great. I mean, they had they were, 27 they were, first down. They were up, so much, they were up almost 500 early. yards. They had three they turnovers. Back. Yeah. Jags missed two field goals. Jags had a backdoor TD. They ended up losing by 10. And I, they It wasn't a blowout. I had that game on. It, it was, oh, this will get interesting. And the field goal, and I don't trust the Jacksonville field goal kicker at all. Um, Josh Allen is another one. He's coming on. Whereas Great. the first half of the year, it's like, what happened to Josh Allen? And then contract year. Yeah. That's what he's happens. having a nice little contract push. I don't know. Could they hang around? Could they sack Mahomes a couple of times? Could Casey do the thing where they dick around? Could that be that Andy? Oh my God, we're going to lose another Andy Reid stupid game that nobody saw coming. I like the, I like the chiefs and a tease, but I also, if I had to pick this straight up, I think I would take the points, which okay. is, I don't love it. I don't love the game. That's why I wanted to talk it out. I think Kansas City It can't City just rolled. be don't bet against Mahomes. That can't be a I, it, reason it can in the be. playoff game. In divisional round, But we've watched be. him lose games. We watched him lose Cincinnati a year ago in this I same know. spot. Oh, he's not going to lose to Cincy. You can't bet against Pat Mahomes. Well, he fucking lost. He sucked. <laughs> so I don't know if he's earned that from me yet. As great as he is. I don't, he hasn't earned the don't bet against Pat Mahomes. Now, if he lights it up the next three weeks, he'll have earned it. Here, look, I know Andy's lost a lot of games in the divisional round in the wild card round. I, with this kid and with what they've been doing, you know the stats about Andy Reid after a bye always wins. They have had 13 days, 14 days, whatever it is, to draw up an offense, to get rested, and to come out yeah. guns blazing. I, I like the Chiefs and I like them big in this game. 
But like them big. I do. I think they win by by two scores. I need to figure out a way to tease them with a couple different things. In the seven point tease, but the the great thing about the eight and a half, and this is another gambling manifesto rule, which is <laughs> which number when in doubt. <laughs> gravitate toward one pick that would screw over the most gamblers and experts and would definitely go against the single worst gambler you know. That's a Chiefs tease. I'll get them under three. Yeah. Layup. Done. First game of the day. I'll get my Chiefs tease. They'll cover. Yep. Then I'll have the six points I can play with. We've seen how that's turned out over the years. Um, I think it's a tough one because I do think Jacksonville has talent. This isn't like a you know, Houston Texans situation where it's like, oh my God, they so happy to make it to round two, but then it's like you have Matt Schaub and a yeah, whole and bunch they, of whatever. They're wearing varsity is, jackets in New England. Yeah. Yeah. This is like Lawrence <laughs> could be awesome yeah. for four quarters in this game. It's conceivable. This could be the best four quarterbacks in the AFC and maybe the NFL when you're talking about Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and everyone wanted to anoint Lamar and Herbert and all these guys, but like Lawrence the last month has been as good as anybody. Well, don't, this might be don't, his moment. This might don't be his make moment. the Herbert Kool-Aid drinkers mad. I know. Herbert, Herbert. throwing throwing four-yard passes the entire second half. He's got the biggest cannon in the league. Unbelievable. That was, was crazy. Joe, it was Joe Lombardi's fault. Yeah. I, uh, with the pot on Sal on, on Sunday, I predicted that they weren't going to fire Brandon Staley because they were too cheap. Is that what you think happened? No, I... I don't know. No, come I'm on. That's gonna, what happened. I'm not going to say anything. I think that they, the players actually spoke You're out. You're going to say anything? And, no, I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't think that's what it was. I think it was the players came out and were like, wholeheartedly in Staley's corner and they had his quarterback's coach and his offensive coordinator had to go who were two dear friends. So I think that was from the coach or from the top saying, hey, ultimatum, it's it's you or those guys. And I think they made the decisions. Mm. As as those hours trickled by, every hour more was time that that he was safe and he was really snappy yesterday with Bill Plaschke. I saw that. I liked it from Staley, you know? Like, yeah, I you saw show that. Up, here's Bill Plaschke at my, my press conference, you know? Like, okay, like, dude, all right. If I owned an NFL team in LA and I watched that 27 to nothing game. I hear you. He hear would you. have been gone in an hour and Sean Payton it would be like, what is it, 25 million a year? Cool. Yeah. Great. I got you. I have, I lucked out historically with this Tua versus Herbert thing where I ended up with Herbert because the other team took Tua. This is like Steph Curry going to the Warriors. I hit the fucking lottery. I've hey. got to get this guy an awesome coach now. That's awesome. the next step. And then I'm going to win the Super Bowl someday. Guess what? That window where you can pay Bosa and pay Derwin James because Herbert's on a rookie salary. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's over soon. Right. It's one year away. Yep. One of the things that came out that I, I think people seem to be surprised about with that Peyton story was that head coaches make a ton of money. Yeah, why are people so shocked? And people when you're, think Belichick makes like $7 million a year. That dude's been like, in the 20s like, for eight, nine years at this point. It's not, it's not listed. It doesn't have to be reported. Um, here's the deal. I, I'm with Sean all the time at, uh, at Fox, and like he is very candid with me. And it's going to take that type of number for him to leave his life right now where... He lives a very nice life after being a head coach for 16 years and making very good money. And he's living in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And he walks his dog and he plays his golf. And then he goes to his ranch in Idaho and plays with Gretzky and Bieber and has that life there. And his wife is as happy as can be. He misses the itch. He wants to get back into it. Um, I think the LA Chargers job would have been really, really intriguing for him. 
Uh, as of right now, we're recording this on Thursday. He's in transit. He's going to be in New York City Friday interviewing with David Tepper for the Carolina job. I think that job's intriguing. And I talked to him. He had a great interview with Denver, like a great interview with Denver. So we'll see. And Houston's in the mix also. So the, the, the Trump card on this whole thing is he's got three teams. He can leverage them against each other. And if he wants to go back to Fox for another year next year, there's seven openings and he can go back then. So whether the first guy who figured this out was Pat Riley. He did this like in the, I think that he left that Lakers year. He was on NBC. He became the hot free agent, leveraged it into a whole Knicks thing. And then we've seen other people emulate this. The the great thing about it is, doesn't have to take a job this year. Guess what? He just gains strength. You just become the go-to guy for every open job. And you can be like, you know what? That Chargers job or the Cowboys job will be open a year from now. I'll just wait. Instead of like taking the Carolina job and trying to figure out who my quarterback is. And still get to advertise and promote yourself and do all that by being yeah. on the Fox thing and your face is on. You're not calling a game. You're in the studio. Your face is on TV. Everywhere. You know who did this to perfection and then never jumped? Bill Cower for about 10 years was on that CBS show. And every time the Giants or Jets job came up, it's like, Bill Cower lives in New York. Yeah. Let's get Bill Cower. And he just chose he was happy with his life, making a few million bucks, whatever he makes. And he lives in New York City with, you know, his lady. He was and they... psyched to be on a terrible pregame show. <laughs> he was like, this is great. <laughs> He's happy. He's pregame good. show where nobody has a conversation. It, it just kind of go around a circle and people make monologues. And then that's it. It's like, you can just have these five people in five different, five different studios just on a fucking Zoom. They're um, not interacting. You guys, you guys interact on your show. You can't trying. say it. You feel awkward. We, we, I, well, you know what Nate's, I like for the studio show? Interact. You find Nate's people. My guy. Have them interact. So, Nate's my guy, so I don't get a chance. I'm always on the Fox. It's not Nate's really, fault. Um, He's not yeah, producing no. it. The, um, I, I'll be honest. I've, I don't really watch a show. When I do, I thought they were actually pretty good last week at halftime, so I'm not going to comment on anything, but I okay, thought Boomer, Boomer Esiason was pretty good like breaking down the Bills. I like Boomer. Dolphins I wish he game. did games. We, we, need better, we need more game guys. Poor Al Michaels had to do three hours with Dungey. The, uh, the, Denver, the Denver thing that was interesting, and it's not from Sean, it's from just knowing the situation. In the room, it's, it's this Penner who is from the Walmart family, but you know he's He's in there. You got Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of uh, the Secretary of State. She's in there interviewing. You've got the the GM, and here's something that like people don't know with with this new Broncos ownership. Like, and I'm not selling for the Broncos. I have nothing to gain from that. But they had 26 coaches on Nathaniel Hackett's staff. 26 coaches. He came to them and was like, "Gosh, like I need some help with the time management. I don't I don't know how to go about this." They're like, "Whatever you need, we'll pay whatever." They hired Jerry Rosberg from the Ravens, who was retired. They paid him six figures. He comes on. So he got a 27th member. Then in week 18, the Broncos had a meaningless game. They were going nowhere. It was done. It was Chargers. The Chargers, yeah. you know, uh, the field surface wasn't up to snuff. The owner paid like $500,000 to like get the field in the right conditions. And as little as that is, that's the stuff that's trickling through league circles. So when you hear about, you know, the Chargers might be too cheap or the Cardinals might be too, it's like, Oh, these new Denver owners are like throw money. Yeah, at they the could wind. give a shit. They throw spent money like, at what, the wind. Five billion dollars. What do they care? Yeah. So you've got that, and then Tepper's the same way. So it matters. It Carolina's matters. the best job. I think it's it just smallest city, but it's like they have by far. That's if I you're just looking great. at this from a football standpoint, that's the best job. And you know why? And I know this sounds like so simple. If you go to Denver, and I, and this isn't from again, not from Sean Payton. This is just in general how the world is being looked at with these jobs. You're facing Mahomes twice the next 10 seasons. You're facing Herbert twice next week. 
Who are you scared of in the NFC South? You bring your crew. No, you come in there. You good. get a quarterback. It's Tampa, New Orleans, Atlanta, and you. And you, you need got an a, owner who's who just paid four billion dollars for a team and wants nothing more than to win and will like bring whoever you want. And pay bring your B minus QB. Get Jimmy G. Whoever. Sure. You sure. have all the other talent, and you're in a shit division, and you have a team that probably should have gone ten and seven this year, and really could have. And yeah. it's kind of unbelievable they didn't. The hold so. up, the hold up with the Peyton to Carolina thing might be that you know Saints don't give a shit about Denver or or Houston as far as like competitive stuff, but they're going to ask for more from the Panthers if you're going to come yeah. and get our coach, so we don't have to face him twice. But then again, Belichick, you know, was technically traded. Jets to Patriots, Parcells was technically traded. Patriots to Jets, like it's been done before in the division. Yeah, but that's why the Broncos isn't happening. They don't have the pick. They do. They do. They traded Bradley Chubb and they got the first round pick from the Niners. So they've got like a late first. They do have it. Oh, great. If I'm New Orleans, I'm like, cool. I, do you have another <laughs> one of those? Do you have two firsts? But yeah, Carolina, I, mean, I personally would not trade a pick for a coach. I would. Um, you, you would not. I to just me, feel it's all. It's so much more important than any other position. It's like quarterback and coach. If you have that, we can do it. If that's your look at the look at the history though of this. Belichick, they traded for him. It worked. I out. just Gruden, don't think Sean. It works. I know out. he's your Arians. friend, but I, I just don't think Peyton's on that same level. I don't. Okay. I think it's he's fair. like one level below, and I wouldn't trade a pick for him. I would try to do a day ball hire. Who's the next day ball? The Go next get guy. That guy. It's funny. The guy was, I thought, Ben Johnson from the Lions, and he out of nowhere withdrew his name. He's like, I'm going back to Detroit as the OC. 36 years old, math major, former college yeah. quarterback, went to North Carolina. Like that made a lot of sense for Carolina. And he's going back to Dan Campbell and uh, those guys, which now you're like, so who is that guy? You watch football every week. Are you like banging down the door for Ken Dorsey or Brian Callahan, who's in Cincinnati? I, I don't know if there is that guy this year. Um, We have to go. <laughs> Good combo. No, we have to go. We got got more football to talk, more guests, more things to do. I love it, dude. Um, I love it. I missed it last week. I apologize. That was on. I the, like uh, when we disagree on games, though, because that that backs up what I think. Whereas, like, I think this is a really hard week, and I'm going to probably take it easy on million dollar picks this week because I think this feels like all the games are going to be close, and I don't know who's. I just might, might just this could be a let's be careful week. You know how it goes. We just talk about the games. I don't even know who you're picking till you do the picks and I text you around Sunday, 1 p.m. So what are your picks? And I go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one we, you, the two that you liked were Cincy and Dallas, right? So we, we both like Cincy. All right. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Good to see you, Shrakes. You're the man. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, our guy Benjamin Solak is here from The Ringer. He is... um. When is the Philly game? Is it Saturday or Sunday? It's Saturday, right? Saturday evening. Yeah. 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 So, so you're stay up. two days away from a possibly traumatic night against Daniel Jones. You're covering all of it with Shil Kapadia on the Philly special, the ringer uh, Philly pod. We're going to do four matchups. Schrager and I just talked about all the games. You are going to give me the key matchup for each of the games. So let's just go in order for the time of the games. KC Jacksonville is mm -hmm. the first game. What is your key matchup here? 
Uh, this matchup is Mahomes against pressure, uh, which Mahomes has been pretty much the second, one of the top two quarterbacks against pressure so far this year. It's been him and Josh Allen. Allen does a little bit more damage with his legs running the football. Mahomes does a little bit more damage throwing the football. But anyway, you slice it, it's those two guys. When the, the Chiefs played the Jaguars in Week 10, a game that you and I both believed the Jaguars would cover, and then just everything that can happen in a football game happened, and they couldn't get it done. It, you kind of miss it because of all the slop and the turnovers and the short fields and whatever. But Mahomes had one of the best games against pressure any quarterbacks had this season. He had a mm. 60% success rate when pressured. The average number is like 30%. It was an absurdly good game when he was pressured. There were a couple reasons why. The first is that the Jaguars, they could take away like the first read, but they couldn't take away that second read. They couldn't take away the scramble, Joe Reed. They don't really have the best players in man coverage, at least at that time. So they were playing a lot of zone, and Mahomes was finding the space. Now they've kind of reshuffled their cornerback room a little bit. They've got better play out of Tyson Campbell. Maybe they feel a little bit more confident playing man and, and, and holding those routes and covering those routes for a little bit longer. But the second reason, and the really big reason, was that this Jags front kind of rushed very undisciplined. One of the things you hear coaches talk about a lot is this phrase, this phrase rush lane integrity. What that mm. means is when, when, we're, when we're rushing a mobile quarterback, we can't all be trying to get to the spot. Because if we all try to get to the spot and one of us gets blown out of our gap, he's just going to leave. We need, you know, Josh Allen, our star rusher. He's going to try to go get Mahomes. Everybody else has got to make sure they don't give up any gaps. Don't give up any space. We need to keep our rush lane integrity. Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen had great games against Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown. They really did. Roy Robertson-Harris, interior defensive lineman, who Eric Bieniemy shouted out this week in prep for the game, playing the best ball of his career in Jacksonville. These guys, they want to get after the passer. They're a penetration front. They're a blitzing team. But with Mahomes, you, you got to acknowledge that he's going to make the first guy miss. And you have to rush with a little bit more patience, a little more control. Because they'd get to him, and he'd get out of the pocket, start making weird throws on the run, tuck the football, and he killed them even when they got pressure. So Mahomes against pressure, so, so, so good this year. The Jags have to be more disciplined, have to get him down when they get to him, and they have a chance to survive. You've been fascinated by this Jags team all year. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like they're getting better? Because I, I test-wise, I feel like they are, especially that stupid game they came back from last week where, you know, the big thing is their defense really rose to the occasion as the game went along. We went over some of the stats with Schrager, but Chargers were, didn't have long drives. Now, some of that do, no Mike Williams, some of that do it. They don't have that second running back. They just have Eckler. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really impressed by the Jags, how they kind of dialed up. They were home. But Josh Allen, the way he's played the last six, seven weeks where I'd kind of forgotten he was on the Jaguars the first half of yeah. the season. Now you hear his name all the time. And it just it just feels like a team that it's a young team that feels like it's discovered itself a little bit over the last couple of weeks through some adversity, too. Right. They were yeah. the Tennessee game. They easily could have lost last week. They easily, but now I like where they are. Yeah, came from behind against the Ravens, came from behind against the Cowboys, even came from behind against the Titans, won on a defensive score in that game. I, I couldn't agree more that the Jags have been getting better. And it's, it's a weekly thing, and it's really cool to watch, like especially yeah. offensively. They spend the entire first quarter of every game, they're like, all right, we're going to run our screens, we're going to run some of our regular pass concepts, we're going to run the ball a little gap power. What what don't you like? Where are you hurting this week? How are you going to play us defensively? Where are you going to be weak? And once Doug finds it, they just start hammering it. They have been so much better offensively second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter over the last six, seven weeks of football than they are first quarter. You'd love if they could be good in all four, 
but they're a young team and they're still kind of figuring it out, right? They do right. a really good job of figuring out your pressure point and then not just hitting it one way, but hitting it multiple ways. For the Chargers, making the defensive backs tackle, running game and passing game, shallow crosses, screens, getting ETN on the boundary, just saying, hey, what, what, what hurts today? What do you not like and how often can we hit it? So the big thing for the Chiefs is this. Last time... You, you gave up three turnovers against the Jags. You got away with it. They were still a little bit of a mess. Where do we like Zay Jones? Is our pass protection good enough? So on and so forth. You can't do it again. Because if you let the Jags hang around here, third quarter, fourth quarter, they can start pouring points on late. This is a team that can surge. And they've, they've it's like the, the old parable of that guy in the hole. They've been down here before. They know the way out. So if you're going to put them to bed, if you're going to beat them, Beat them, but get get a 24-point lead. Get a three-score lead. Do something because they're not going to be down until the bell rings, and you don't want to let this Jaguars team hang around. Can I give you that KC wins the first half, Jaguars win the game odds, just so, just so you can mull it over for a split second? As a man who owns uh, a little, just a little taste of Jaguars money line, I feel like this is going to tempt me a little too much. Let's hear it. 13-1. to yeah, it's a lot. It's too much. That man. is a high it, line. It's a lot. Because I could totally see the Chiefs going up 17 to 7 at halftime, and then the Jags come back and they, like very basically yeah. like the Dallas game. The problem with that is this is that if the Jags are going to be losing at halftime and then win the game, they better take the lead in the fourth quarter with one second or less on the clock. Right. It better be the last play because now we're talking about Mahomes from behind at home in the divisional round of the playoffs where he's just been lights out. He, coming off of a bye, they've been incredible in the divisional round. Uh, Andy Reid off of a bye historically has been incredible. And so I, I love it. I think the Jags, and like because their coach is Doug Peterson, they have a little bit of that Andy Reid DNA. They're, they're good off of rest, and they're good in the screen game. You know, there's some similarities. So be, I like them a lot surging in the fourth quarter. I like them a lot scoring late. But the moment they take the lead, I like the Chiefs surging late. Right, more then you live bet the you know? Chiefs. That's, that's the tough part. Do you worry that the Chiefs tease is... Like just too glaringly obvious, especially as the first game where it's like, oh, bang out Chiefs, yeah. and that that part fr frightens me. Yeah, I don't like Chiefs tease. If there, I, I have a Jags tease leg on this game. I like Jags tease a lot more because oh, let's teasing say, the Jags the other way. Yeah, teasing them down because let's say the Chiefs go up twenty four nothing, twenty eight nothing. Let's say this is a bloodbath halfway through the second the second quarter. Firstly, we know this Jags team's going to show up and fight because they were just there last week and they won it, so they're going to come yeah. out swinging. And secondly, even if this game is kind of, you know, decided in the fourth quarter, there's no way the Jags can come back. Lawrence is going to be playing. They're still going to be throwing and, and shooting because they want the experience. They want the reps for Lawrence in this environment. Right. So I think like like Jags getting a tease line down where you're getting two touchdowns in there. That's that's tasty. Do you know Doug Peterson's record as a playoff underdog? Five and one, I want to say straight up. How about six and a Six and oh. <laughs> don't tell me with a good time. Oh, I love the Jags. Do you so know uh, Andy Reid? Lost playoff games as favorites just at home in 2016, 17, 18, and 21? That one I didn't know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the thing about that list largely ending after 2018 is if memory serves, there was a quarterback change at that time that kind of changed things for the Chiefs a little well, bit. Well, it was 21, yeah. too. How about, how yeah, about right. you got the 12 year. months ago? What about that? Yeah, um, well, we'll see if Lawrence has got burrow ice in his veins. I'm not ready to say that just yet. I can't believe I like the Jags. I Part of it is I've watched the Chiefs all year dick around. It's a dick mm -hmm. around team. And you're just like, come on, man, put these guys away. And then I'll say, oh, now it's a 27 to 24 game. And it's just, yeah. and that's also who the Jaguars are. Where it's like, I thought you guys were dead. Wait, you're mm -hmm. still alive? All right, next matchup. 
Uh, right. So if we're going, yeah, the uh, uh, in game order, then this is uh, Eagles Giants. And the, the big matchup here is Jalen Hurts health question mark in parentheses against the Blitz. Uh, talked about it, I think, before on this show. Certainly have talked about it on the Ringer NFL feed. The Blitz has been the issue for the Eagles this year. Hurts right now in the league, 22nd quarterback in EPA per play against the Blitz. He has a sack rate against the Blitz of 9%, which the league average sack rate is 8%. So Jalen Hurts, even as mobile as he is, is sacked more often when blitzed than the average NFL quarterback. And that's a very, very big yeah, but deal. But this, this isn't going to matter against the Giants because they don't have a defensive coordinator that likes to blitz at all. Oh, there we go, Bill. 40% blitz. <laughs> oh, wait. Wink Mar- yeah, for Wink Martindale uh, leads the league. The next closest at 35%. Not uh, only does Wink blitz more than anybody, he blitzes more than anybody and then some. Uh, and when they played the Eagles in week 14, you got to take the week 18 game and throw it out, right? Giants yeah. all the backups in. In week 14, uh, they were about average in terms of their blitz rate. But the problem was they had no Dory Jackson, who's their best corner, and no Xavier McKinney, who's their best safety. So Nick McLeod was playing. Uh, Rodarius Williams were playing. And the Eagles just went hunting, right? I mean, they anytime they wanted a matchup, A.J. Brown in the slot, get him on Nick McLeod, get him on Rodarius Williams, throw a touchdown. Right? They had no issues handling those matchups. They're not going to get them this week. The other thing that's important is because the, the Giants were thin at, at corner, thin at, at safety, they were thin in the secondary in that game. When the Eagles went heavier personnel, two tight ends on the field, the Giants matched with base with three linebackers. The Giants linebackers are perhaps the worst unit I have seen enter a playoff in years, right? We got Jalen Smith, who's still around. Jared Davis, also still around. Micah McFadden, a rookie. This is the linebacking core. These guys are a massive liability defensively. TJ yeah. Hawkinson had a career year for, excuse me, a career day for a reason. And so, all right, you have uh, your, your better depth in the secondary. Wink's going to be more aggressive blitzing because he feels more confident with his matchups. He's not going to lose in man coverage as much. However, if you're now leaving five defensive backs on the field, when the Eagles go two tight ends, and critically, they'll have Dallas Goddard for this game. Now we have a running game question. Eagles averaged like eight yards a carry on early downs against this Giants team in week 14 with those poor linebackers. And so yeah. even if you get your good players on the field, you get Adore back, you get Xavier back, now you're light against a really good Eagles running team. That's why the health question mark for Jalen Hurts is really important. Because if you have a full gamut of Jalen Hurts runs, they feel okay with his shoulder getting hit. It's going to be a challenging day on the ground for the Giants, even with Leonard Williams back, even with Dexter Lawrence playing as well as he does. If you have a question mark, Jalen Hurts, if you have an 80% Jalen Hurts, well, now the running game is a little bit more simple, and now the scales are a little bit more balanced. But I'm, God is my witness. If the Eagles have as easy of a time running against the Giants in this week as they did in week 14, we're going to turn this game off in the third quarter. I mean, it, it's going to be lights out. So the the blitz and then the No Leonard Williams the in that game. week 14 game, right? Yeah, and the Eagles were really effective running off the edge in that week 14 game. They, they said, Dexter Lawrence, I do not want to deal with Dexter Lawrence. I will run it nowhere near Dexter Lawrence. Down block, double team, and we're getting to see gap. We're getting outside. That's where Leonard Williams has to be a really impactful player. Critically, Aziz Ojolari, who's their second edge, not Kayvon Thibodeau, really good run defending defensive end. He's out. Uh, he's not been practicing this week. Seems like he might be out. That's a big loss for the Giants. Eagles are going to try to run to the boundary all game long. Let's go with a different matchup from this game. Danny Dimes against the psyche of Eagles fans. Are you have yep. you hit the point where Dimes at least has you like a tiny bit nervous? He's just, you know, he's just so unorthodox. Like when you're going against him, especially in a playoff game, are you worried about Danny Dimes? Yes. Now, not as a thrower. If if I got 
Daniel Jones on the spot where he's thrown the ball 35 times as he has done against the Vikings so far this year, like when they play in regular season and postseason, I feel okay with that. The Vikings are one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Eagles are one of the best. We're going to be okay. We sacked him a bunch when he dropped back in week 14. However, when he ducks and runs, Jones is an issue. It's important to remember because it's very easy to forget. Daniel Jones is very big and very fast. He's 6'4", 240, and he can open. Uh, The Eagles' defense against quarterback runs not super great so far this year. There's a little bit of selection bias because they're one of the teams that played Justin Fields. And like all of the teams that played Justin Fields have really bad metrics against running quarterbacks. Right. Just kind of, you know, wonder what happened there. But against uh, uh, quarterback scrambles, these numbers from Nate Tice, the athletic, Eagles gave up the second most expected points added. Against designed quarterback runs, they were 29th in EPA per rush allowed. So bottom five team against quarterback runs, both designed and undesigned. So again, like I said, in that week 14 matchup, they did a great job of getting to Jones and tackling him in the pocket. High sack game for the Eagles defensive line. In this game, Jones is going to try to escape, and he's going to try to escape a lot. They have to be able to get him down in the first level with their defensive line because the Eagles' second and third level, very small players. TJ mm. Edwards is not is not the biggest. Kaiser White, those are our only two linebackers they play. They're not big dudes. They're, you know, corner of Vontae Maddox, one of the smallest corners in the league. Their safety room is a small group. Jones is a big fella. So if, if, if the antelope gets going, right, if he gets into stride at the second level, he's a handful to bring down. Eagles have to be able to contain him in the pocket. How many good quarterbacks did you guys play this year? It was, it was not a long list, right? I'm looking at the schedule. No. Like, you played Rodgers, I guess. He had played Dak. He put up 40. Yeah. And that um, Dak game was the one where it, it was a reminder how easily Jonathan Gannon's defense can be zapped up by a good pocket well, pass. So that was my question. It This is eye test. I don't know what the stats are just from, like, watching football every Sunday. It did feel like you could throw in the, uh, on the Eagles. Yeah, so... This Jonathan Gannon defense, which I'm going to be very interested to see what Gannon's head coaching cycle looks like, because if he yeah. gets out of Philly, I'll shed like maybe a tear and then I'll move on. Yeah. Uh, but over the course of his two years here, when they get a really good pocket passer and really good, honestly, is too great of a, of a, a moniker. It's a good one. Like Derek Carr in 2021 had a great day, completed over 90 percent of his passes. Justin Herbert, over 90 percent of his passes. Dak Prescott, one of the best games of his season against this Gannon defense because they line up, they play zone and they keep it vanilla. They don't really change stuff pre and post snap. So for all my Daniel Jones supporters, for Daniel Jones Nation out there, the Danny Dimettes. If you really believe he's a functional NFL passer enough to, to warrant a second contract, this is the sort of defense he should be effective against. This is the sort of defense mm. he should dice up from the pocket. Didn't happen week 14. Not confident it's going to happen this time because I'm still shaky on him as a passer. But it, it's a good litmus test for, for how legitimate Jones is as a true dual threat quarterback. To be fair, in week 14, Hodgins hadn't turned into Jerry Rice yet. Love him. That didn't, that didn't happen Hodgins until three weeks Oregon ago. State. <laughs> Huge fan of Isaiah Hodgins. He's a lot of fun. Uh, let's take a break. All right, third matchup. Uh, we have Bills Bengals, the game that never was but now is, uh, and it's a, a, a weirder matchup now because we have more issues on the Bengals offensive line. And this is just the fundamental matchup. It's this Bills pass rush against the Bengals offensive line. Two AFC contenders didn't get the job done last year. They entered the off season, and the Bills said we need to be able to get after the quarterback. We spent first round picks and second round picks on pass rushes. It hasn't been good enough. Let's go get Von Miller. He's gonna he's gonna bring this thing home in January. Vaughn's out. He's hurt. No, it's not going to happen. And then on the Bengals side of things, they said, man, you know, Burrow got sacked a lot in that playoff run. Offensive line was shaky. We got to shore this thing up for our playoff run next year. So they went and they got Ted Karras. They went and they got Leo Collins. 
Mm. They're out this year. They don't get them in January. So both of the issues that these teams really tried to prepare for in January, elite pass rusher in Vaughn Miller and then better offensive line for the Bengals, both of them, they were January plans and they fall apart here. It's like the Spider-Man pointing at the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. It's tough. This, uh, some data on the bill, the Bills pass rush. Gregory Rousseau, who's a first round pick for them out of Miami, 12th right now among edge defenders in pass rush win rate. Very solid players. Got nine sacks in the years, doing a good job. Other than that, AJ Epinesa, their other edge is 50th. Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver, their interior rushers are 30th and 45th. They got one guy right now, and it's Greg. Well, and and Shrakes and I talked about the Ravens game. You know, the left tackle went out, I think it was in the first half, but. I don't think they handled the Ravens in a way that I wasn't expecting. I thought by the time they were missing three of their five, I thought I was like, oh my God, the Ravens are going to win this game. But it it didn't totally play out that way. So I thought that's a good sign for them this week. Yeah. And and the nice thing is that Burrow has done such a good job this season getting rid of the ball quicker. His sack rate has dropped precipitously, which this, like I wasn't fully on the train of Burrow's an elite quarterback after the 2021 season. The 2022 season is really making me a convert. The way that he has changed his play style and yet still retained aggressiveness, still retained downfield shots, really, really hard to do. That's very difficult. So impressed by Burrow and that Ravens game off cover corners on the outside. So they're giving you free access for those five yard curl routes, those eight yard stop routes and Burrow just taking it, taking it. He was audibling to it at the line. You see him calling for it and taking it. You're not well, going to get that against the Bills. Go ahead. I don't remember if it was the Chiefs game, which was December 4th, or the Browns game, December 11th. But one of those games, or maybe, no, it was one, or maybe it was even the past game. No, it was one of those earlier games where he was just under duress the whole time and handled it so well. He just mm-hmm. has this knack of like, he kind of dances around. It's like watching somebody like on a bridge filled with like, you know, uh, grenades that are going to go off or something, just kind of right. dancing around. And he he has this weird ability to just get out of trouble in a way that kind of that is in the usual way, where it's like, I'll just go here and then left and then right. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he has a pocket again. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like he was doing that at the beginning of this season. And part of it was he went, he got hurt. He wasn't practicing. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I've been watching the last three months, who I've been invested in because... Even in the my fantasy league that's still going, the one that goes through the playoffs, I have Chase. And I just think Burrow's been playing as well as anybody, if not other yeah. than Mahomes, he's probably second, right? This has been the best stretch of play in Burrow's career. There's no yeah, question okay. about it. And that sensation you're bringing up is a critical one in the modern NFL. Pocket maneuverability versus yes. pocket escapability, right? Back in the day, Brady Rivers, Roethlisberger, Breeze, it's all about uh, pocket maneuverability, pocket management. Can you? But that's buy what half- that's what Brady yeah. lost. Brady right. lost that ability as he hit his <laughs> late fifties. Right. So it's all about that ability, right? Can you buy an extra half second, extra whole second, still inside this pocket? It's one of the things yeah. that Dak does so well. Is, is since that foot injury, he doesn't run as much. So now he's finding more ways to manage the pocket. Pocket escapability is can you break a tackle and get out? This was the Carson Wentz issue, right? He's awesome at breaking a tackle and getting out of the pocket. He cannot move his feet in the pocket and generate just a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra space. Burrow was a high sack player because Burrow was looking for escapes. He was trying to get out of the pocket, two hands on the ball, drop your eyes, make a guy miss, and then reset to throw. Now he's finding ways to just, all right, little sidestep, step forward, change the angle, get rid of the ball to the check down. To mature like that in your third year as a pro, obnoxious. We don't see that. We see players get better within their own play style. They improve within their construct. They don't change their stripes. And for Burrow to change his stripes, 
after he was like on podcast this year being like, I take a lot of sacks. Who cares? And then boom, just stop doing it. It's really, it's quite something. He's a special player in that regard. So, well, he hasn't won over Steven Ruiz yet. I'll tell you that much. And, and, and with Steven, I don't know if he ever will. Steven likes his hard lines in the sand. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to drink the Bengals juice a little bit. This, if he can buy that time in the pocket and he can minimize, if not neutralize, the effect of losing these offensive linemen with a Bills pass rush that really like isn't that strong for a playoff caliber team, he's going to find space. Uh, they're going to be able to throw the football and then this is going to become a, 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 a shootout. And the Bills offense, they throw the ball downfield a lot. They scored a lot of points, but they've been up and down. They've been erratic. And so, I would describe them yeah. as disheveled. Yeah, they are... Uh, I think Josh Allen knows that he has to have some truly elite Superman games in order to beat the Bengals and the Chiefs. The problem is he's just gone like round the bend. Like all he does is Superman stuff now. Like sometimes you can just let Batman do something. You know, let Stephon Diggs make a play, right? Let Ken Dorsey call a good play. Yeah. He's got the world on his shoulders when he he doesn't really need to just yet. And so if not for the DeMar Hamlin and the emotion of this game, I'd say the Bengals are a really nice upset look. I say the Bengals, are, I like them better than the Bills in this game. With DeMar Hamlin and, and the emotion considered this game being in Buffalo, I don't know. Like, this is a very difficult one to handicap. It feels like a, I said to Schrager, it feels like a field goal game to me. It feels like it comes late. down to the wire. Just It feels like a three-point game. I felt like Ravens-Bengals was a one-score game, which was a little different last week. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, Ravens, they're, they, they, we've seen them do this year after year. They're not going to like roll over. This will be close in yeah. the fourth quarter. It was. This one feels like this game will be going either way in the last five minutes. And if the reason not to take the Bengals is they don't have Jonah Williams, I don't know. Like Jonah Williams, yeah. what is is he? Would you say he's he a below a average starting tackle? He's he's fine. I would say he's like right along the average. Yeah, and and okay. overall, like yeah. Uh, when you're when you're already handling multiple issues on the line, there's a little bit of like, what's one more? You know what I'm saying? Like, you already have to be in your quick game. You already have to be running draws and screens. Like, once Jonah goes down, it's like, all right, we got to keep doing the same stuff we were already doing. So the, the loss is a little bit minimized. They can't really slide protect anymore now because they can't leave the left tackle on an island and go help the right side, which might affect mm. their ability to take shots. But at the same time, like, this is Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Everything that's supposed to make them not take shots doesn't work and they just keep taking shots. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hang my hat on that. Yeah, if they were playing like the Giants front four, or the Eagles front four, I'd be a lot more nervous. But this Bills defense, I just don't yep. think they'll get a pass rush. I like the points. Seems like we're aligned on that one. And then um, let's go to the last one. The seemingly the most polarizing game of the weekend, Niners-Cowboys. Um, I said to Schrager about this. Oh, I texted this to you today about one of the ultimate gambling manifesto rules is don't overreact to the previous week. Dallas just mm -hmm. reeks of overreaction stuff. And I think the Niners are the best team in either conference. And we might have a chance. Oof, you either can, conference? Well, Oof, now, that, now that the Bengals are banged up, yeah, I think mm -hmm. they're the safest bet. Purdy's obviously the question mark, but I'm kind of stunned that this is only three and a half. I thought for sure we'd be in the Vegas zone. We'd be at like four and a half, five range. Um, but people are drinking the Dallas Kool-Aid. First question before we get to the matchup, is this the right line to you? Did three and a half seem like the right line? So when it opened at four, immediately off of the Cowboys game, I took it, Niners minus four, so positive that I was going to get good CLV because I thought this would get up to five, five and a half. That did not happen. To me, this is incorrect. Uh, the movement on Dallas has been shocking. Like after that Washington game, the sky was falling. And I was like, I loved Dallas. I had such a big Dallas position last week. And 
it was as if we had forgotten the last eight weeks of football when they won multiple games and they were only losing in overtime when they looked excellent. And then they delete a objectively terrible Bucks team that fired Byron Leftwich before like the fireworks had fallen on the <laughs> after the game. And it's like, all right, yeah, no, the Cowboys are back. They're a contender. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna get it done against the Niners. I don't see it. I took a big Cowboys position against the Bucks, expecting to fade them against the Niners, and I'm I'm still in that spot. There's a case to be made, maybe buy it down to three somehow. So you give yourself mm-hmm. a little field goal protection. I just think they're just so much more talented um, from a weapon standpoint. And that the Cowboys offense looked good last week, but holy mackerel, man. I wonder, like, are we going to see this in football again with a team with the McCaffrey and the receivers and George Kittle just all at the same time, all healthy, which I think is the surprising part that usually yeah. one of, you figured one of those guys would have gotten hurt at some point. But to have these weapons in this day and age... It's so unusual. It almost makes me rethink, like, is this how you should build a team? How, should you just never want to spend $40 million a year on a QB anymore? Yeah. Is it better to just go this way and hope you get lucky with the Brock Purdy but spend all this money on all these other positions? Maybe running backs, maybe McCaffrey's kind of underrated. Maybe like a George Kittle, the money for those guys are underrated. And maybe we're overrating the quarterback thing unless it's Mahomes. Yeah. So when McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers, I remember the the discourse and the nature of it with with the analytics tinge that was, well, all running backs are replaceable. You don't want to spend big money and big capital on running backs. And I wrote a piece for us that was basically like, well, McCaffrey's not about the running game. It's about the multiplicity. He's a force multiplier. Yeah. Because when he's on the field, it's so much harder to figure out what's going to happen next than when Elijah Mitchell was on the field or in previous years when Matt Breda or Raheem Moster was on the field. There was a limitation in terms of okay, defensively, we see that guy in the huddle. We're preparing for X, Y, and Z. Right now, when you see McCaffrey in the huddle, you're preparing for everything the 49ers do, which is a lot of things. The I, I've said it on the show before. This is unprecedented multiplicity. This is yeah. unprecedented versatility. McCaffrey doesn't line up and run like some routes. He runs every route that they have, right? I mean, they haven't run him on like a deep crosser yet. They will. They're going to do it. He's going to run they a They play him like route. he's Wes Welker yeah. sometimes. They're just like going yeah. the slot. He's the fucking they have running run, back. They have, run, they have run sluggos. Like, what are you doing? You can't. This is cheating. He's a white running back. They've never done yeah. before. It's it's legitimately unbelievable. So the, the, the versatility and then the fact that Kyle, like four years ago, Kyle was wide zone play action, wide zone play action, Sean McVay offense, wide zone play action. Like it was it was the base. It was the, the foundation of the root of this offense. Now. They got 17 different run concepts. They walked out in, in, in the same surface against the Seahawks where they, they're under center, McCaffrey's dot in the eye, and they have Kittle and, and Juszczyk both as like H-backs, right? So tight ends, but off the ball and a little bit wide. They walked out in that surface and ran every run concept you can think of with no tip. No tip. There's no way of knowing what's coming next. You're in bare front, we're going C-gap. You're in under front, we're going B-gap. They just it, It's never been easier to get a play dialed up that the opposing defense is not built to stop because of the versatility of this group. And I haven't said the name Brock Purdy yet because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's Kyle being this and good they don't put him and the in weapons any, being this good. Yeah, they don't put him in any position to truly hurt them. Right. He's they, the only everything he's the guy he does, who puts he knows he can in the do. position. Yeah. He's aggressive. He's nuts. He's reckless. There's like four or five plays a game where Kyle probably wants to grab him by the scruff of his neck and tell him to chill out. Just let the offense work for him because he pushes the ball down the field. This is... Uh, we, uh, it's an incredible offense. 
I've talked about this theme before in the podcast over the years. I'm older than you. And the one thing I've learned about the NFL playoffs, and maybe it doesn't always result in the champion, but I think it's a pretty good indicator. When we get to this final eight, which team does their thing the best? Which team's best thing is better than everyone else's best thing? If you just even start from that basis, it's a good way to think about it. And I think what the Niners have with what you what you call the multi-position, whatever the hell, whatever, whatever you said. What was the phrase? Uh, it's unprecedented multiplicity. Unprecedented multiplicity. You had it. The Eagles had it in the first part of the year where it was like the totality of what they were doing and what they were doing offensively with Hurts and the, and the way they were able to have these two wide receivers that could make real plays with a tight end who's in the top mm-hmm. five and their ability to run the ball and their ability of their quarterback to just kind of roll out and do stuff. That was the best thing in the league. And I think the Niners have unseated it. Yeah. I, I think their best thing is the best now. Yeah. When you said like the playoffs is a lot about whose best is the best, my mind immediately went to the 2019 uh, divisional round game or excuse me, NFC championship game where the Niners play the Packers and Jimmy threw eight passes. Right. And, and they and they won the game. Just they ran for like 400 yards or just some like just disgustingly absurd number, like in the first half, yeah. 220. And it was just a, like absurd. Right. That was that game typifies Kyle, right? And th- the way that he thinks about football. He's gone against the Dan Quinn defense that he knows, right? He coached under Dan Quinn in Atlanta. He like Richard Sherman had the 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 soundbite on Kevin Clark's podcast about how like Kyle was calling plays specifically to break rules that Dan Quinn has. He knows Quinn's blood. He knows his DNA. And so this like, they played them in the wild card round last year. And this was when the Niners were still running the football a little bit more. And the the Cowboys did everything they could, man. They had Michael Parsons playing like true linebacker this time. Remember, he wasn't an edge yet. And they were running around and they were reading the motion and they were blitzing the gaps and it just doesn't matter. Like once Kyle gets you kind of in the headlock, right? It's older brother with a noogie. He doesn't let go, right? So you call uncle or mom comes home. Like it, it's Kyle's ability to kind of step on your pressure point and, 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 and stay there for four quarters. It's really like, I, I made this comparison on the, on the Friday preview show for the NFL feed. The same way that like, Mahomes is just a head above the elite quarterbacks. Like I know we say they're all yeah. elite, but like Mahomes is clearly a little better. That's how I feel about Kyle and offensive design. There's like Sean's really good, Andy's really good. There's no two ways around it. But Kyle's just got that edge. And against the Dan Quinn defense that he knows, I uh, Cowboys win. They better be scoring forty five. Like I think this thing has a way to get like a barn burner for the ages. Yeah, we didn't even mention the Niners. I think their defense is good. I think you can throw on them. That's mm-hmm. going to be the key for Dallas. And so if they win, it's probably a higher scoring game. It sounds like we agree on the four teams that could advance here. KC, Philly, Cincy, and San Francisco, even though we've we've said the appropriate caveats with, oh, mm-hmm. you know, Jacksonville, who knows? And the eh, Giants, maybe. That's plus 571 on FanDuel if you think those are the four teams if in the final four. four. Cincy at it's KC. A nice day to call your shot, yeah. Yeah, Cincy at KC and the Niners at uh at Philly. I do think since he's going to win and I, and it really worries me to take a shaky offensive line on the road like that, but I just think they have a better team and it, maybe I'm wrong, it, but that's, yeah. I've watched football all year and I just have, I always thought the Bengals were going to have a moment and I don't want to like go away from them now just because Jonah Williams got hurt. Yeah. I, uh, it also like, I always worry about this when my predictions also lead to the games I most want to see. I'm worried how much I'm biased right, like, what right. I'm looking forward to. But KC Cincinnati rematch is an incredible game. It's so cool, especially like 
since he's 3-0 on up now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like Andy and Patrick are taking this seriously. Either rematch then, is great. Casey Buffalo yeah. would be amazing too. It would. And then you have uh, uh, Eagles Niners. If you haven't seen yet, we've seen Eagles Cowboys. Like who yeah. cares? I don't want to see it. Eagles Niners. That's the one where like those are the two rosters in the NFC that really are, are cut above the rest. I want that game desperately. So I'm very worried. I've got my analysis through that lens. But yeah, I think it's KC San Francisco. And I think it's, or excuse me, I think it's Eagles San Francisco. And then KC, neither Bills nor Bengals would surprise me, but water gun to my head, I take the Bengals. If you could do an anytime Eagles touchdown from the Eagles Giants game, who would you throw in that? Would that be an AJ Brown? No, so I like uh, if we're being like rational, I like Miles Sanders. Uh, they they like their running game when they get inside the five, and I don't think they want to use Jalen as much if they can avoid it because he's going to be less than one hundred percent. So it makes sense to just put the ball in, in Sanders' gut and let him go. He's like plus one ten, I think I've seen on a yeah plus one hundred five. Yeah, uh, the other player that on Fanduel is plus three ninety is Boston Scott, who all Eagles fans will know. Boston Scott's got like ten career touchdowns and nine career games against the Giants or something ridiculous. He's Boston Scott's like five six and he always scores against the Giants. And he's called the Giant Killer for that reason. Now he scored against them earlier this year. And so if you're if you're, oh, if you're a a free one. rolling, you're throwing free bets around, go find you some Boston Scott anytime touchdown just uh for the memes. So last question, because I asked this to Schrager, like Lane Johnson's playing, but if you read the stories, it's like Lane Johnson has a torn groin that's going to require surgery after the season. Then it, then you go and it's Lane Johnson's going to attempt to play. And yep. Then it's Lane Johnson's feeling better. It's all of this code word where it's like this dude has a fucking torn groin yep. and he's going to play anyway. There's no way this is a good thing for your star red tackle to have a torn groin. I can't even imagine if you or I had a torn groin. I don't even know if you're eating cheese with a torn groin. Yeah. Could you even I'm, get to I'm the fridge? Up. What would you do? Yeah. You'd have to crawl to the fridge? It was really funny during practice because Lane was in pads. He was practicing. Uh, the Beats all tweeted out at one point. They were like, Lane Johnson just picked up Josh Sills in drills. Like Josh Sills is a, is a backup lineman. He's like 325 pounds or something. They're like, oh, I picked him up. It's great. I guarantee you Lane was like, yo, Josh, let me pick you up really quick. <laughs> Come over here. <laughs> right. Let me forklift you. Just let him know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when the Lane injury happened, and then like the rap came out with a report pretty quick after the injury. This was like week fifteen, week sixteen. That was basically like, "Hey, like Lane's gonna try to play in the playoffs." It's like, well, I don't love that he's made that decision now. I'd like for to see how he feels. Yeah, <laughs> and then we got a pretty good backup right tackle. We have great line depth. We worked very hard to have good line depth. We drafted a lot of these guys. I don't know if I need 70% of Lane Johnson out there when I've invested this much in Jack Driscoll and, and, and my backup, Andre Dillard. And so we'll see. The The nightmare is if Lane's being a liability because he's hurt, but he also refuses to come off the field because he wants to play. And that's where like things might get a little tricky. Also, couldn't he make it worse? Can you just keep tearing your groin? How how long, how many yeah. inches is a groin tear? Can it just get that, twice as with, big? With this whole like Jalen Hurts shoulder injury where like, we thought it was the AC joint, and then it turns out it was the SC joint, which is different. I've been making it very clear. I don't know how joints work. I don't know how tendons work. I'm not in the. I can't predict things anymore. So, can he tear the groin worse? Probably. Ask somebody who knows. For me right now, I just want to make sure that he can block Kayvon Thibodeau. That's my benchmark. Torn groin sounds awful. Um, yes. And then the hurts thing. Nobody really knows, right? I mean, people they're like, it's better. It's he's healing. He's recovering, but. We have no idea. Like, what if he's just not the same? I think that Hertz is going to be visibly and clearly less than 100%. I also think in terms of competitors in the NFL who are geared up to gut it out despite a hurt shoulder, I'd take Hertz as like some one of the top five. Like to just like, you know, 
make the run despite the fact that he's walking around with ice on the shoulder every single day. The, the, the problem is it's a two-pronged question. Does it impact his throwing? Well, he threw against the Bears after he got hurt pretty nicely. He threw against the Giants nicely. Okay, good. What but about 31? Yeah. Does it hurt his, his, his running? Right? And they, they ran him on a sneak. You know what I'm saying? But like, Hurts is a physical runner. He likes to, to, to finish through tackles. And you saw him like, you know, slide really early against the Giants in week 18. And so against a, as a passer, I'm confident he's going to be okay. As a runner, I'm not sure. And it really, it, it takes a layer out of the Eagles offense. If he's a limited runner, that's very important to them. So Giants are going to find out early. They're going to hit him. I mean, the, the first opportunity they get, they'll take a 15-yard penalty too, probably. They want to see just how well he's going to take contact. And if he can't take it too well, it's going to matter. Is there a ringer Philly special if the Eagles lose that game? Oh, yeah. Shield, Shield can't wait for them to lose that game. Shield's, Shield is... Oh, Shield, Shield's Prince of Darkness. Shield <laughs> lives in the negativity, man. He's, he's, he's waiting for it. When we got on the, the call for that Washington loss, man, uh, he was, here we go. He was the Very happiest he's ever been. Yeah, let's do it. He's finally something, uh, something a little less shiny to talk That's about. That's hilarious. All right. Benjamin Solak, thank you. Uh, I hope we do well on our, on our picks. And uh, I will see you Next week for the conference yeah. championship. Looking forward to, yeah, looking forward to Cowboys, Giants, Bills, Jags next oh week. Oh my God. <laughs> Million dollar picks round two. We're taking this outdoors because all the games are outdoors this week. I love it. Who knows? Will the weather play a factor? We'll find out. I am up $492,000 after 19 weeks of gambling. We won 41000 last week. Would have won more if not for the Chargers. Would have had a huge week. I'm not as excited about this week. I'm a little nervous about some of the lines, probably like the Niners the most, but I I don't want to make the mistake of just going all in on one game. I want to spread it out. Cars are driving by. We're going to go, first of all, Jacksonville plus eight and a half in Kansas City. I I just don't trust the Chiefs. They dick around. They've dicked around all year. They're 7-10 against the spread. They're four and five as big favorites, and I think the Jaguars can hang around. Worst case scenario, get us a cheap touchdown. We're betting 250000 on that. We're also betting 250000 on the Giants plus seven and a half. I love getting that extra half point. I think this is probably a one-score game. I think the Giants can at least make the Eagles sweat. I have no idea what we're getting from Jalen Hurts. So two underdogs to start it out. Remember last year, all the games were close in round two, all four games. Third game, bills Bengals, Bengals plus five and a half. I think the Bengals could win. I am not that scared off by the O-line. We covered it with Solak and Schrager just because the Bills, it's not like their pass rush is good. The Bills just look, I used the word disheveled earlier. They're a little disheveled this year. And I think the Bengals can hang around and possibly win. Then last but not least, Niners minus three and a half against Dallas. Uh, classic gambling manifesto rule here. Don't get too excited about the team that looked awesome in round one. Everyone is so excited for this Dallas team who, let's be honest, Tampa sucked. Could Tampa have gone four and 14 this season? Absolutely. Or four and 13. Uh, I like the Niners. I'm so happy that this line is in four and a half, five, five and a half. I bet the line drifts up or down. I don't think it stays at three and a half. There'll be a ton of Dallas money or more Niners money. Either way, we're taking them as well. So, 250,000 on all four of those. And then just for fun, we're going to do a little, uh, little Giants Bengals to win parlay for 10K. Just a little underdog parlay for them to win. That is plus 1080 right now on FanDuel Giants Bengals. So we'll put 10K. We'll just sprinkle that one on there for what, for, for just for fun, just because we're feeling it. Those are the million dollar picks for round two. 
All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Shriggs and Solak. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing as always. I will see you on Sunday night, hopefully with Cousin Sal. We'll see how the Cowboys do this weekend. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. See you on Sunday. So